This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to You're in Good Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hey Mads, how are you doing today? We are good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm excited for today's episode because we're going to do a highly requested episode, which is a deep dive into ETFs. A lot of people have been buying ETFs as of recent because they're a great way to diversify your portfolio. So what are we going to be talking about? Yes. So on today's episode, we are going to be getting into how ETFs are actually created, everything you need to know about fees and how to compare them, and also some tips for finding the right ETFs for you. But before we get into today's episode, we'd like to acknowledge and pay respects to the wondering people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. Before we jump into today's episode, there are a couple of terms that Jess brings up, so we're just going to quickly define them now so we are across the conversation. What's that? So the first one, Mads, is CGT. Yes, so CGT just stands for Capital Gains Tax. So if we think about the income that we earn when we buy and then sell an investment, it's the tax that we pay on that income, which is the capital gain. The next one, Soph, is market capitalization or market cap weighted index. What are we referring to on this one? So we've spoken about before market cap or market capitalization is somewhat the size of the company on the stock market. So it's the amount of shares multiplied by the share price. And if you do some comparisons, you know, you might look at Apple and that's a large weighted cap stock. And you might look at a baby little company in Australia who's in, you know, medicine, and that would be a small cap company. So that's the kind of two different ones. And when we talk about a market cap weighted index, it means that the ETF or the index that you have, there is greater allocation to the larger cap stocks and a smaller allocation to the smaller cap stocks. And the final one, Mads, is index. What is an index? Yeah, so I guess when we refer to an index, we're kind of just talking about like a hypothetical portfolio of stocks. So one example is the A200 index, where we're just talking about the largest 200 companies in Australia. So it's just referring to like a particular market or I guess, a segment of the market. Yeah. So indexes could be by region, by sector, by anything, right? Exactly right. And now into the show. Today, we are very excited to welcome to the show the wonderful person behind one of our favorite investing Instagrams, the Leung Way, Jess Leung. When she's not busy simplifying finance on Instagram, Jess spends her days as an ETF portfolio manager at BetaShares. Jess says that she wanted to become a portfolio manager because it gives her the opportunity to help people invest their money in a way that can create impact. 
We know how much the YIGC community loves an ETF and we can think of no better person to ask our questions to than someone who actually creates them herself. So welcome, Jess. Hi, Maddie and Soph. How are you? (laughs) We are very good. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So I was wondering, was I the one that was highly requested, but maybe not, maybe just ETFs? (laughs) I mean, both. We'll go with both. (laughs) So Jess, we always start in the same way. We've actually got some new questions in season two that we ask our guests so they can, people can get to know you a little bit more. And the first one is, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? Um, it's only Tuesday. Yeah, haven't really true. got any, haven't any, got any deliveries yet as of. No, but I would say this, this is the best thing that's happened to me this oh, week. that's so nice. Thanks. Now every guest is going to have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> You've it's, it's my first podcast, so we'll see how we go. Love it. And Jess, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? My answer's going to be really simple. It's just my parents. I miss my mom's cooking oh. the most. Oh, that's so <laughs> nice. This answer is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What, what would your answer be? Uh, mine would be like someone famous or exciting. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe I should think more closer to home next time. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could be a stock or company, who would you be and why? Well, I know Christina from Verve Super in your latest episode said Effie. So yeah. but then I'm just going to, you know, that not only because I manage it, so it's like my child, but it's, yeah. it's also <laughs> aligns with my personal values and what I want to see in my investments. So it's one of my favorites. Cool. Awesome. So I think that leads us nicely in that case. You mentioned that one of your ETFs that you manage is Effie. Can you give us a bit of a rundown of a typical day as a portfolio manager? What do you do? from, you know, your general nine till five or maybe a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, so we tend to start our day a bit before eight. The first thing we have to do is get all the files ready to go to the ASX and the market makers. Because we're a passive ETF, we do disclose our holdings every day on a daily basis. So we just need to make sure all the holdings and everything is correct that's going to the public um, so that we can start trading or you guys can start trading live from market open at 10. So that usually takes a while. So it's kind of like the quality check of what our funds going through to see the positions are right, the cash, is there any trading that we need to do during the day? So it's mainly just kind of our prep work for the day that we do. So then that has to be done before nine. So nine to 10 is that's when I kind of catch up on my overnight news, do my daily doubles on my Instagram that you guys would see. (laughs) And I'm mainly just going through overnight emails and just planning my day. And then from 10 onwards, that's when the market opens. Yeah, so then that's when we watch the market open and the spreads on our ETF to make sure that nothing too crazy is going on. And as we always say, if you're trading an ETF, avoid market open and a bit before market close because that's when it's the most volatile. Ah, so, I heard it here first. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we just have to make sure the spreads and everything are at a reasonable rate so that you guys get the best value for your ETF. So other things that I would do throughout the day after watching the market open is work on product development, bringing new ideas and ETFs to the market for you guys. And then in the afternoon, that's when I'll get my hands down and dirty and I'll trade for the portfolios if there's any corporate actions or index rebalancing. And yeah, that's practically my day. I have two questions. The first one, when you talk about spreads, what do you mean by spreads with an ETF? Yeah, so it's um, the bid-ask spread. So, for example, you'll see when you want to go buy an ETF and you go on the screen, there's also a buy and a sell and there's kind of two columns and then you see different prices. So, it's just a spread between the two prices. 
Oh, okay. So you're trying to make the, the, those prices like reasonable mm. to buy? Oh, okay. And then my second question is, do you know why the markets open at 10 and close at four? Because it just seems like <laughs> the best timing to like roll ever. <laughs> I think it's whoever set it up just wanted a good day for themselves. Yeah. So <laughs> Some markets, some international markets actually have a lunch hour, so they close during lunch no hour way. as well. Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh, it's like siesta. <laughs> yeah. So Jess, what are some of the ETFs you manage? I know you mentioned Ethi, which is pretty cool. I think a lot of people in our community will know that one, um, but what are some some of the other ones uh, so other ones include fair so that's a pretty popular one as well and that's in that ethical suite um so other ones include robots or rbots rbtz robotics and ai and there's um, some domestic ones such as qre so our resources qfn financials and um most of our diversified etfs as well so do you get to choose what kind of etfs you want to manage like are you involved in the process of building them up or are you kind of assigned ETFs? ETFs that you need to look after? So kind of in the beginning, because I kind of came in when in my interview going, I'm, I really like ESG, give me all your ESG. So that's kind of why they gave me FE and Fair. But now I've been in the company for over a year and I'm starting to get involved in the ETF product development process as well. So that's really cool. So if you were starting an ETF from scratch, what does that process actually look like? Um, so the first step would be idea generations and coming up with kind of what I, ETF you want to launch. So some questions or where I take inspiration from is what what products are we currently missing in our product suite? Uh, what do people want to invest in? And what are some of the upcoming trends and thematics that we want to capture and bring to market for you guys? So we're quite lucky in that regard that we kind of have a crystal ball. So the US markets that we can kind of see into the future, um, into the growth of ETF and see what's done well and what hasn't done so well. Yeah. Wow. So are there any trends that you're looking at at the moment? There are a lot, um, <laughs> but I can't disclose. Oh, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, so, your deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> so we currently have 65 funds and we're always looking to expand. So there's always something going on in the pipeline. And yeah, it's really exciting stuff. So keep an eye out. And then the next step is production. So the analogy that I like to use for ETFs is they're kind of like your Allen's party mix or your lollies of um, ETFs and stocks. So then after you have an idea, you need to go and find a manufacturer to actually help you put it into production. So for the case of ETFs, that would be an index provider. So we have to go and find an index provider to help bring our vision to life. And sometimes that might include some research houses or bodies as well. And then after you find that, it's kind of the fun part. And then they kind of send you the samples and you kind of have to tweak your formula until you get it right. So this is often the longest part of the process. So for example, imagine you're designing something and they send you a sample pack and then you might not like the color, the taste, or just or just the combination of the flavors. So in terms of your portfolio, that would mean, for example, I don't like the names that I'm seeing in the portfolio, or I don't like the country or sector exposures that it's giving me, or just that I don't like the fact that one stock is half of my portfolio. So if and I often refer um, to ETFs as a box of chocolates. So I like this new addition <laughs> to the story with the Allen's lollies. I think we've got a strong yeah. theme going here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Everyone's like the sugar, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then after we, we have a final kind of portfolio that we're happy with, then kind of comes the admin, the regulatory, and setting up the operational sides, and then it's practically ready to bring to market. Wow, that sounds so cool. I just, the inner workings <laughs> of actually building up an ETF, like that's a job. Like it's just 
so fascinating. <laughs> Do you have any um, ideas or ETFs that you guys want to invest in? Oh, so and I actually did an ETF pitch night where we pitched our own ETFs to each other. And yeah. mine, I actually quite liked mine. Mine had ticker STAR, star, and it was um, <laughs> companies that like massive celebs had invested in. So it was like Oatly, what else was there? LV, like um, Tesla. Te- yeah, Tesla, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is such a cool idea. What was yours again? So mine was about dogs, yeah. like all of like dog food. I love dogs. Yeah, it's pets. It, we also do add to our watch list every week. And last week I added a blockchain ETF. That's oh, a trend that I'm watching. Yes, definitely a trend to keep an eye on. So just today, one of the topics, we're going to do a little bit of deep dive into ETFs and we get a lot of questions from people about ETF fees, especially when people are doing comparisons to find things that they want to buy. I think it's one of those big points that people look at. So we want to ask you a couple of questions about ETF fees, considering you're an expert in the field. So when you are paying for a fee, what what are you actually paying for? What does it consist of? So, um, like we've just gone through the process of creating an ETF, there's actually a lot of work that goes into creating and also Mm, maintaining (laughs) an ETF. So then first off, we have your index licensing fee. So we actually have to pay the index provider to allow us to use the index. Um, And then also then you have to take into account all the fees that are paid into all our service providers. So, for example, the custodians, the ones that are safekeeping your actual assets in the ETF, and then also administration. So every time someone buys even one single unit of an ETF, there's a lot of paperwork and record keeping. So all that just equals costs. <laughs> um, and then we also have um, the ETF provider. So even on our team, we have a lot of people involved on our side too. So we have sales and marketing, legal and finance and, and operations just to keep the house running. And then lastly, then you have me. So I come last. Um, the, <laughs> the portfolio management team in actually managing or taking care of the assets itself. So I'm actually curious, you just mentioned the word custodian and it just sparked my mind. When you are buying an ETF, are you buying it under the custodian model or is it chess sponsored? Yeah, so for an ETF, it works like a fund because it it is a fund, it's an exchange traded fund. So you don't actually own the underlying assets. What you do own is you own units in the ETF, which is issued by us, the ETF provider, and the units have a beneficial interest in the underlying holdings. So you mentioned sort of what goes into an ETF fee, but how are they actually calculated and what's like the typical range that we should expect to pay? Yeah, so usually ETF management fees, they're quoted on a per annum basis, but even though they are quoted on a yearly basis, it doesn't mean that you just go and send a check to your ETF manager once a year. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't actually have to, you know, pay anyone. It just comes out of what you're making. Okay. No. And what was the typical range for an ETF fee usually? In terms of a range, I wouldn't actually put a number to it because that really depends on the style of ETF and how much work needs to go into first creating and managing it. So usually you'll find that your broad passive ETFs um, are on the lower end of the fee range, while, for example, your thematics or your ESG ones would would warrant higher fees. So thematics because... um, they tend to cost more as there's more work involved in developing the index and maintaining it. And for example, ESG funds, you need to hire researchers to individually go and look at the stocks as well as screen out names or screen in names, positive screening to derive your final portfolio. 
Yeah, I think Mads and I have spoken about that before with the um, ethical, any of the ethical funds. Usually there has been a higher fee attributed to it. Even Christina Hobbs on one of the episodes mentioned it because they do have all that screening process. There's a lot of work behind the scenes to like really make sure that the stocks that are involved are saying what they say they're doing. Yeah, true, they're true to label, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and does active versus passive ETF play into fees as well? Because presumably you'd I know you pay more generally when they're actively managed. Yeah. So then you can probably think about it as the fees paid is in proportion to the amount of work that's put behind developing and managing the portfolio. So your passive broad market cap index is probably on the um, cheaper end because it's just replicating an index for active managers that actually have to try to beat the benchmark or they have to decide on what positions and how to weight their portfolios and what they want to and what they like. So I guess that's something to keep in mind then when you are comparing fees because it's not necessarily like you don't necessarily just want the lowest fee that you can possibly find because you might be paying for different things for different ETFs. Yeah, for sure. So I would say when you're trying to um, compare fees, make sure you're comparing the same style or similar funds. Make sure you're comparing apples for apples. And then in that category, what you want to do is find the one with the cheapest fee for the exposure that you want. Interesting. So that that's probably the first tip, compare apples to apples. Do you have any other tips for people that want to, that are comparing fees, any tips or tricks to do so? Or even like an easy place to find the fees, because sometimes that can be confusing as well. Yeah, so the fees should be listed on the ETF's website and it should be very prominent kind of on your landing page right there. We are just going to take a quick ad break for our sponsors and we will be right back to deep dive even further into ETFs. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So Jess, there are lots of different terms that we can hear about when it comes to ETFs. And one that is quite common and I think is quite important is this term or idea of rebalancing. So can you give us a little bit of insight into like, what does rebalancing your ETF actually refer to? And I guess why do portfolio managers need to do it? Yeah. So in terms of Passive ETFs, when we talk about rebalancing, we're usually referring to index rebalances. So it's the index that your ETF actually tracks, and that's the 
when that one rebalances. So it's actually a very timely question because uh, the S&P indices just rebalance. I think they rebalance every third Friday of September. So we just passed that oh, one. Okay. Yeah. So that's also like your ASX 200 and things like yeah, that, right? Yeah, all those ones. Yeah. yeah. So what that means is there are usually rules in place and that's known as the index methodology that determines um, what names go in the index, what names come out and what names stay in. And when you say names, you mean companies, is that right? Yeah, yeah. stocks. Yeah. So then um, when we rebalance, we're simply following the rules. So as a portfolio manager, when we rebalance according to the index rebalance, we would buy or add names into the portfolio, which are index ads. And then we would sell out of the names, which are index leads. And we would also change the weights of the constituents. Uh, so why do we need to rebalance? We need to rebalance because over the course of time, the weights of the names or the stocks, they drift due to market movements. And then there's also corporate actions such as mergers, where two names become one name, or then there's demergers, where one name becomes two names. So by the end of the period, you might not have, going back to your ASX 200, you might not have 200 names in your portfolio anymore. So it's just a periodical clean out, or what I like to say, it's kind of like when you clean out your closet every now and then, you know, mm. you kind of donate stuff you don't need anymore and then you kind of tidy everything up and put everything back in its place and make sure everything's well aligned. So when we rebalance, we're just trying to make sure that your portfolio best mirrors or tracks the underlying index. So I guess one example, and I'm keen to hear if this is right because this is how I like to think about it. So if you let's take like Afterpay for an example – you know, that's grown a lot. So maybe that would change because it might go like up the list and it might have a bigger weighting because it's become a bigger company. And then when Square actually bought Afterpay, I guess that kind of like removes it from the ASX. Is that a good example of how like you would need to rebalance? Yeah, that is a good example. But we're still not sure exactly yet because the ASX has rules where it will allow CDIs Um to be listed or to be included in the index. And Square did say that they would list as a CDI on the ASX, but then we're, we're still confirming on the details of when that acquisition actually finalizes sometime next year. And what's a CDI? <laughs> yeah, so a CDI is a chest depository interest. So it's... um. It allows foreign companies to list on the ASX where it gives the owners the same beneficial interest in the foreign companies. Okay, so the fault to that example is that Square is actually probably going to list on the ASX as well. So it kind of is just like replacing mm, Afterpay. Yeah, and then the, <laughs> okay, depending on the market cap of Square, it might have a larger weight or it, yeah, it depends, but we'll only know next year when the ASX announces how much. Got yeah. it. To be, <laughs> to be confirmed. Watch this space. So for someone who is holding an ETF, if I say I'm holding a passive ETF, let's just say that A200, that's a good example. What's, my, what's the effect for me when an ETF is rebalanced? So that's the good thing for you for holding an ETF. You don't need to do anything at all. So the portfolio manager will do the rebalancing for you. So, for example, going back to um, the third Friday when it was rebalanced, we do all the rebalancing for you on the third Friday. And then as of Monday, your ETF will, will reflect all the new holdings and so will the price as well. And do I have to pay extra? Do I get charged? Do I make any capital gains? Like, are there any other impacts on the person holding it? There's no direct impact. So, as in, you don't need to put out of pocket anything at that point in time, but there might be some... Um, 
tax or CGT impacts off the back of some selling that was done due to the rebalance. Right. So I might say at the end of the year on my tax return that there might have just been a little bit of capital gains from selling off some of the holdings. Mm -hmm. Understood. What's the difference between rebalancing for active versus passive? So I know you gave the example of passive is like, you know, for example, the third Friday of each month. Is active much more regular, I'd imagine? For a passive, it's rebalanced based on the pre-described dates as per the index methodology. So going back to the ASX um, or the ASX 200, that one is done on a quarterly basis. So it's usually the third Friday of each of the, like your March, June, July, September. Um, and so typically passive ones, they rebalance anywhere between one to four times a year. And you can find all that information out in the index methodology. Whereas for an active fund, they rebalance at the portfolio manager's discretion. So it's based on their views of the market or the stocks and, and how they want to implement their portfolio. We're going to move on now to this idea of portfolio turnover. So on your Instagram, you said that the silent killer of ETFs is portfolio turnover. So it sounds like something that we should probably learn about. Can you explain to us what this actually is? And I guess, is it different from the rebalancing that we just talked about? Sure. So that's a really good question. Uh, so turnover, it's the proper term is a percentage change in the underlying assets in the fund, usually over the span of a one-year period, or in simpler words, it means it's just a measure of how much trading occurred in the underlying assets within your fund. So we're not talking about me buying and selling in my portfolio. We're talking about what the ETF manager is actually doing with the underlying holdings. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So how can consumers like Maddie and I be aware if portfolio turnover is occurring frequently. I know I asked, you know, is there too, such thing as too much rebalancing? Is there t- such thing as too much portfolio turnover? Yeah. So then um, just going back to your point as to whether rebalancing is different to turnover. So rebalance contributes to turnover, as you've touched on before. So some tips or how you can be aware of how much turnover there is in a portfolio is firstly um, through fund disclosures and how often the holdings change, but this is something that you have to monitor. So for example, if you notice that the fund composition is changing significantly and quite frequently, then that's usually a pretty big clue that there is a lot of turnover in the fund. And that's the case for both passive and active ETFs. Um, Another way to see is that it's revealed in your tax return. (laughs) So if there is a large capital gains component, then you know that has been a large crystallization and that only happens through trading. So that's a pretty big um, give off as well. So it is hard and to get an accurate gauge um, on how much turnover there will be before you invest, but there are clues that give you an idea as to whether a fund or strategy may have high turnover. But generally, as a rule of thumb, your broad passive market cap weighted indices, such as the ASX 100 or S&P 500, they would have a very low turnover. So I guess just to summarize, it's good to keep an eye out for this idea of portfolio turnover, because what can happen at the end of the year is that if there's been lots of turnover in the underlying holdings by the ETF manager, then that will, I guess, result in a bit more tax that you need to pay. Whereas if there is less, then it's less tax. And the whole point is that we want to try and maximize our after-tax return. Yes, that's correct. 
So we're going to move into our watch list. Ooh, that's going straight in my basket. <laughs> Each episode, we have been asking guests to add a stock, company, news trend, industry, anything that tickles your fancy to our watch list. And the purpose of this is to get us thinking outside of the box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. But we are not financial advisors and this is purely for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice (laughs) or investment advice. What are you adding to the watch list today, Jess? So I want to add diversified ETFs. I feel like they're one of the most underappreciated or not known um, instruments out there. (laughs) (laughs) The one that I would add to the list is DHHF is a ticker. So it's a beta shares diversified or growth ETF. Um, The reason why, or just in general, diversified ETFs, the reason why I like them is that they're essentially the ETF of ETFs. Ah, I like it. <laughs> so some of, I guess, the most common struggles that I hear is um, where to start, what to, what ETF do you actually buy, and then the whole uh, concept of asset allocations. So diversified ETFs are kind of like your all-in-one solution. So they give you exposure to a range of asset classes and does the asset allocation for you, and they also rebalance back to the predetermined asset allocation periodically for you as well. So you don't you don't need to do anything practically. So DHHF, what that one gives you is that one is 100% equities, and then it gives you exposure to over 8,000 stocks Yeah, in both the Australian and international developed and emerging markets. Oh, wow. Mm. That is re- it's really got the whole package. <laughs> yeah, so that one is um, great for those who are just starting out and have a long time horizon. But because this is a pure growth, it's um, 100% equities. It also means that it's high risk. So you definitely have to take that into consideration against your own risk appetite when thinking about whether it's suitable for you. And it's definitely a long-term investment. That's our strategy, buy and hold <laughs> forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Jess, I'm keen to hear, and this is our final question of the episode, what would your main tips be for someone who does have a bit of analysis paralysis when it comes to ETFs? Because we do know that there are so many out there, and I know that personally when I'm researching, I find one that I love and I get really excited and I might buy it, and then like a month later I find another and I'm like, damn it, I wish I bought this one instead. (laughs) So... What would you suggest, I guess, for trying to choose the right ETF for you? So my my biggest advice is to just get started and and always remember that it's okay to change your mind. You know, just because you buy it doesn't mean you're you're stuck with it all. So it's always you can always change your mind or buy other ETFs or buy other stocks to dilute that percentage in your portfolio. So a good starting point is your broad market cap weighted indices. But then another starting point, which I also like to tell people, is to just pick something that you like, you know, like it, it aligns with your values, you like its holdings. Um, what, the reason why is that it keeps you interested and it makes you kind of want to do more research. It, you're, you're likely then learn more about the process and develop your own skill set. And then you'll get more confident in your skills to invest more later down the track. I think it's good advice. That's what we always say, you know, just dip your toe in and then you'll start learning along the way. And at the end of the day, if you make a mistake or if you're not happy anymore, you can always just sell out of it. 
Yeah, definitely. Just get your hands down and dirty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, Jess, we have absolutely loved chatting with you today and getting a bit of insight of what a portfolio manager does and how you can actually build up ETFs. Um, And hopefully everyone else has found it really insightful as well. Is there anything you wanted to plug before we finished up today? I'm going to plug all my social media. (laughs) Please do. It's great. (laughs) So you can find me on the socials at The Long Way. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok. So it's T-H-E-L-E-U-N-G-W-A-Y. It's a great resource. We'd highly recommend. I love watching all of your videos. Very creative. (laughs) Well, I'm sure a lot of people will be checking you out on Instagram. Thanks so much, Jess. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Thanks, Jess. That was such an awesome chat with Jess. I loved getting some insight into like the day in the life of a portfolio manager and I guess like how ETFs are actually created. Yeah, I know. It's funny because of those pitch nights that we did and we actually were like trying to create one. Yeah. Like, that's someone's <laughs> job. It's so cool. It's actually a whole process that goes in. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening. Jump into our Facebook community, YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. Love to hear your questions on the episode or if you've got any thoughts, pop them in the group or send us a DM on Instagram at YGC podcast. Yeah. I was yeah, like, is there it. more? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, we really appreciate it. And we read through them and smile. So if you want to make us smile, <laughs> go do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And you'll hear from us next week. Bye. You're in good company is a product of equity mates media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.